The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Hey listeners, welcome to a special bonus episode of TGIC Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. And today, why you look so excited? I don't know, I'm excited. So today I'm going to be kind of like leading this mini episode about the disappearance of Bobby Dunbar. So this is actually one of like the first cases that really perplexed me, I'd say. Oh, I like that word. Thank you. Um... I'm trying to, I actually have like a good story on this. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I came home from school one day and I was stopped. No, it didn't. Oh, no, it didn't. Full of shit. Sorry, we've been having tech <laughs> issues like all afternoon. Izzy just like insisted it stopped even though it didn't stop. I thought it stopped. Okay, anyway, back to my story time. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, I used to like go on BuzzFeed a lot. Like I had the app downloaded, so I used to just like kind of yeah. futz around and do like the quizzes or read like the listicles and I all that. I loved BuzzFeed. Like all the like shopping list too i know i was like really into buzzfeed so i was on buzzfeed one day when i discovered buzzfeed unsolved and so that's when i started watching the videos and the first one i clicked on was the disappearance of bobby dunbar and i watched this video i actually fell asleep halfway through because i was real tired um but then when i woke back up i was like this video is still playing and so i like went and rewatched it and i was like holy shit that's that's cray cray and so here we are um i think it's been four years now Whoa. I know. I don't remember when I was in eighth grade. Four years? Yeah. Four years sound right? Four okay. years. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna get started with this episode now. I'm kind of excited. Um, I'm gonna kinda of talk through that case and then Izzy is here for real time reactions. Is that fun? That is fun. I'm okay. excited. Okay. This is like if anybody remembers a supernatural Sunday episode that I did. It was some day. Supernatural some days episode I did like months and months ago. This is Jillian's riff. This is her. This is is her time to shine. Yeah. Okay. So, some background. Robert Clarence, a.k.a. Bobby Dunbar, he was born on May 23rd, 1908 in Opelousas. I meant to look up how you say that, but I think I got Opelousas. You got it. That's good. Opelousas, Louisiana. His parents were Lessie and Percy Dunbar, and he was their oldest son. So, there's not really any other background information beyond this, just because, you know, he was four, and it was also, like, 1912 or whatever. Yeah. So, like, there's there's just, there's not a lot out there for little Bobby Dunbar. Which makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to start with the timeline. So, August 23rd, 1912. Bobby, who was four at the time, went with his family and some family friends, and they were all staying in their family cabin in Swayze Lake, Louisiana. So the lake was actually more of like a swampy forest. Um, it like literally they were describing it like like the fucking Shrek swamp. <laughs> they were like, yeah, it's a lake, and I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. And then like the article or whatever I was reading, it was like, oh yeah, but it was really just a heavily forested swamp. I was like, awesome. So yeah, so nice, very Shrek like. Um, (laughs) that morning, Percy, who is Bobby's father, he had to leave because of work. Bobby was like really pissed off about this and threw himself a little temper tantrum. Actually, it was like so bad to the point where he broke the little strap on his straw hat. He was so angry. (laughs) Why is that just a detail added in here? (laughs) Because it's relevant later that his strap on his hat was broken. Okay. And it's because he was throwing a temper tantrum. (laughs) Anyway, after his tantrum, he asked if he could go shoot garfish. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry, I can't it's so, so funny. I don't know what a garfish is. <laughs> anyway, this kid is four. He's like, does he get like go shoot garfish? 
Okay. His little hat's broken. Um. Anyway, he was really upset, and he was uh, he wanted to go shoot garfish with his family friend named Paul Mizzy. So Paul at home, he often took Bobby horseback riding. So his mom totally trusted Bobby to go with him, and the other boys ended up joining the group too. So at around lunchtime, this is when the details kind of start getting a little bit confusing. Um, it was lunchtime, so they were all called back by Lessie to come back to, like, the camp area. Mm-hmm. And Paul, who was the family friend, he actually recalls carrying Alonzo, who was Bobby's brother, back on his shoulders. And he actually remembered sharing this, like, joking exchange thing with Bobby. He called him, like, heavy or something, which Loki seems really rude. Yeah, that is rude. Um, but basically, he said something. It was along the lines of, like, Bobby was walking in front of him, and he was like, oh, if you don't get out of the way, have you all run you over? And then Bobby was like, you ain't bigger than me or something. Anyway, so they remember having this little interaction. Um, But then when they returned back to the camp, Leslie realized that Bobby was no longer with them, and she started freaking out, and she actually passed out because she was so freaked out. Which makes sense. I mean, it's a four-year-old kid. Yeah, and he just disappeared, and I'm kind of confused at what point he did disappear. No, because wasn't he standing in front of them, too? Well, no, because then he moved behind them. Oh, yeah. He was was like, like, I was all walking over. over Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so yeah. All afternoon, they were searching and calling out for Bobby. And they looked all around the campsite. They checked the wagon trail to see if Bobby had tried to follow his father, who had gone to work. And they actually found uh, Percy returning while they were on this trail. And he, too, began panicking about the fact that Bobby was gone. And he ran back to camp trying to help find him. So that night, they ended up using dynamite to blast the lake. And they... Why are you laughing at that? Dynamite? I mean, what else are they going to use? I don't know. But, like, I don't know what it is. But the fact that, like, I'm not not being insensitive. I seriously, like, I just could not even imagine, like, them just being like, oh, my God. Well, wouldn't that destroy evidence? No, that's what I was just thinking. Doesn't that seem kind of stupid? Yeah, like, uh, let's blow up the lake. And see what's at the bottom. Like, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but you know what? That's what they did. They used dynamite to blast the lake, and then they also dredged the bottom for any evidence, but there was no trace of Bobby. On August 24th of 1912, which is the following day, over 500 men had joined the search efforts, and people started checking, like, the hidden coves around the lake, but the only corpse that they were able to find was a dead deer. Oh. People suggested that he could have been attacked by an animal, and it actually got, like, so extreme to the point where they started cutting alligators open to check for Bobby. Oh, my God. Which also, like, how the... Like, I would be scared to cut an alligator open. No, well, they would kill it first. I mean, yeah, but I'd be scared to kill an alligator. Yeah, true. Wouldn't you, like... But, I mean, this is, like, 1912. Like, they they got no fear. Apparently not. They're probably cutting up alligators on a daily for food. Also, like, here's my other thing. If they're cutting them open to check for Bobby, this is not, like, a Pinocchio whale situation. Like, he's not going to be whole in there. He would have been chewed up, wouldn't he? Yeah. Like, you're not going to know, like, the difference between, like, chewed up, like, other meat and chewed up little boy meat. Right? That's true. Like, if they cut open an alligator, they're not going to be like, oh, it's Bobby. (laughs) <laughs> like, right? But if they find, like, a hand or a nose or... I feel like that all gets chewed up, like, with the choppers. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Depends on how hungry I was. He was like, I guess. Like, chewing thoroughly. Um, they also tested for how long a strong hat with a broken strap would float for. Because, you know, they were... Why wanting... are they testing this? Why aren't they out looking for it instead of testing? Well, no, because they, there was no evidence of one, so they were curious oh. how long it would float for. And... Actually, it ended up floating for, like, several hours. Like, it like it was, like, a long time it floated for. So they mm-hmm. assumed that because they couldn't find it, that Bobby was actually nowhere near the lake because there was, like, no evidence of the hat. Interesting. Um. Anyway, August 26th of 1912, the theory that Bobby had been kidnapped kind of started circling. 
and it was possible that someone in a small boat could have like kidnapped him from the north end of the lake or someone could have taken him on foot down the trail. So the police in New Orleans were contacted and they began spreading information about missing Bobby and Bobby's description was sent out like all across the south like it said like from East Texas to Florida. And here's the description I'll just read it real quick. So it said age four years and four months, full size for age, stout but not fat, large round blue eyes, light hair and very fair skin with rosy cheeks. Left foot had been burned when a ba- as a baby and showed a scar on the big toe, which is somewhat smaller than the big toe on the right foot. Also, that's kind of weird detail is, to note, yeah. but whatever. Um, he was wearing blue rompers and a straw hat without shoes. So this was sent out, and people were, like, desperate to find him. So in the time following the disappearance, the people from Bobby's hometown all rallied together and donated money to be used as a reward. The reward totaled $1,000, which is actually a lot at the time. It's equivalent to $22,000 today. Yeah, so that's, like, a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, eventually no one came forward and the money was returned to the people who donated it. But then just a week after the money had been returned, there was a major break in the case. Ooh. So, April 1913, a group of women living in Hub, Mississippi, alerted the Dunbars that they had seen a boy resembling Bobby with an old tinker named William Candle Walters. <laughs> what? Like a tinker, like Tinkerbell. I just thought of, what was that little bubble? <laughs> yeah, like that guy. Like I'm glad that that's what you thought of, too, because that's what I thought of, no, too. No, yeah, like a little, like, old bubble. Yeah. What, what was the other yeah, one? I don't Clonk? Clonk? something like that yeah anyway they found him with an old or they thought they saw a boy resembling him with an old tinker named william cantwell walters so they attempted to check for the birthmark on his foot but it was like his foot was too dirty to see if there was a birthmark there (laughs) um and when they asked william walters who the kid belonged to he gave like several inconsistent answers he was like oh yeah it's mine and then he was like it's my sister's and then he just kind of kept continuing with saying who it was which is, like, sussy. Yeah. Um, William was caught whipping the boy at one point, which gave the local citizens committee, like, enough authority to detain him and, like, so they could examine him oh to see if he was Bobby. I know. This is kind of, like, all extreme. This is horrible. So after examining him, they insisted he was Bobby, but the D- Dunbars were, like, still unsure, which, like, I'd be, too. It's like, oh, you just found some random boy in Mississippi, and now we're, just, like, supposed to be yeah. our son. So they actually, be- like, started to become more certain that he was Bobby after they received photos of him in the mail. Um, and they actually traveled to Mississippi to see him and, like, see for themselves. So the boy did have a scar on his left foot and a mole on his neck, both of which matched Bobby. However, he refused to answer to the name of Bobby and did not act, interact with Lessie, um, like, at all during the first visit. Like, she tried to hold him, and he, would, like, was like, no. Um, during the second visit, Lessie was... Sorry, is that what I... <laughs> I just... I'm sorry, I had a glitch. Um, during the second visit, Lessie was able to give him a bath, which also, like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. That, like, made me a little uncomfy. Like, what if that's not her son? You're just giving some just random giving little some random boy little... a bath. Yeah. Like, anyway, she gave him a bath, and after that, she was like, yeah, that's totally Bobby, after he had a bath, which mm-hmm. is weird. She fainted yeah. in excitement, which, like, also, like, she faints a lot. Yeah, she needs to get tested or something. I feel like every time there's, like, a like major response, she, like, passes out. There's actually... Um, this thing called narcolepsy, and so... Why did you say it like that? Like, I don't know what narcolepsy (laughs) is. I wasn't clarifying for you. I was clarifying for the listeners, which I'm sure you guys... I don't know why I phrased it like that. I'm sorry. But anyways, like, the... And I read this book called The Mysterious Benedict Society, and one of the main guys in it had narcolepsy that was triggered by, like, strong emotion. So maybe she has that. Oh, maybe. Perhaps. Um, anyway... After Lessie is like, yeah, this is totally Bobby. 
William Walters is like, no, this is Bruce Anderson. <laughs> and Bruce Anderson is actually the son of William Walters' brother and this woman named Julia Anderson. According to Julia, she had given William permission to take Bruce for a few days, but then it ended up being like 15 months that he was gone for. Excuse me? And Julia, like, there was, like, it was 1912, so there's no way to, like, figure out, like, where he was or anything. So she was like, yeah, my son was taken, like, 15 months ago. Like, I was like, yeah, you can go take him to see family, but then he was gone for, like, ever. Oh. Anyway, so Julia actually traveled all the way to Mississippi to see him, but he didn't interact with her either. And Whoa. this is, like, very similar to how he responded to Leslie for the first time. Additionally, at that point, he'd kind of been taken in by the Dunbars, who had just given him a pony and a bicycle. Oh! And so I think he was like, you know, I mean, I like this is like a this is a biased judgment because I kind of see it a different way. But I feel like I feel like if you're getting these nice things, like why would you respond to this other poor lady who? No, literally, like why would you be like, oh, and also he's like what, like six at this point, five or six? five, like four, I think, uh, four or five. Like, of course he's not gonna go to the woman who's like, yeah, like. I, I'd stay with the people like, yeah, a pony. A yeah, fucking pony. A pony. Anyway, um, it also would have been a significant amount of time since Julia had seen Bruce. Actually, it would have been, like, if he was Bobby, it would have been less time since he'd seen Lessie than, like, the amount of time since Julia had seen Bruce. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um... Eventually, a judge ruled that he was Bobby and would go to live with the Dunbars. And Julia had no lawyer, no money to contest this. So the boy lived the rest of his life as Bobby Dunbar until his death in 1966. That's, like, really sad. Yeah. But they thought he was Bobby. Yeah. But I feel bad for the other woman. I know. All right. Now, here's a little bit of a catch-up on it, because he's actually not Bobby. Okay, in 1999, a granddaughter of the presumed Bobby Dunbar was Mm -hmm. fascinated by the family story. And, like, I get that. Like, if this wasn't my family, I'd be fucking obsessed with this shit. Anyway, she spent a lot of time, like, researching and reading articles about the case and was just very curious about if her grandfather was actually Bobby Dunbar. So... This ended up causing mass controversy in the family, but she decided to, like, have a DNA test done. So the DNA test compared her father's DNA, who was Bobby Dunbar Jr., which is also kind of funny because, yeah. like, the fact that he's not even Bobby Dunbar and now there's a junior. Like, anyway, they compared Bobby Dunbar Jr.'s DNA to Alonzo Dunbar's DNA, who's Bobby's brother. Mm-hmm. So the DNA ended up not being a match, <gasps> which means all which, those years that was Bobby. not Bobby. And so while it was presumed that the boy was actually Bruce Anderson, there's, like, no testing that was ever done to confirm this, which is kind of sad. Like, that's so sad. Like, Bruce was just taken away. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, that brings the question, like, where, what actually happened to Bobby? And, like, the people kind of circulate, like, you know, that wasn't Bobby, so maybe Bobby actually was kidnapped, and who knows where he went. I feel like more likely he was probably eaten by, like, an animal or, like, yeah. drowned in the lake or something, and they just weren't able to find him. Yeah. I agree. Um, okay. And then this is just a little final interesting theory, I think. So in an interview with Bobby Dunbar in 1932, obviously not the real quote, quote unquote yeah, Bobby, Bobby Dunbar, Dunbar uh, he claimed to remember there was another boy with him during his time with William. Mm-hmm. He said that this other boy had fallen off the wagon, died, and was buried. Oh, God. So while this theory could totally be true, it could also be like a memory of suggestion because when William was on trial for kidnapping, it was what his prosecution had kind of suggested, that there was like two boys. Oh, yeah. And so that c- could be a memory of suggestion. I don't really know how much he was around the trial, so I don't know like how much yeah. that's possible, but it's definitely possible. Also, this is what I actually thought was really interesting. It could be like a psychological rationalization of the death of his time as Bruce and, like, becoming Bobby. I thought that Ooh. was, like, really interesting. Like That is. 
it was like suggested i guess like as a way to cope like he imagined he that there person. was two boys and it was like just the death of his past self exactly isn't that kind of interesting that is really interesting well like there's interesting like ways that children cope with things like that mm-hmm. is like one of the possible ways that he ended up like coping with this situation which is really fascinating. I'm, like, really interested by that. But who knows? All we know is that whoever the fuck lived his life as Bobby Dunbar was not Bobby Dunbar. <laughs> Which is kind of fucked. Like, that family was just like, oh, he's our son. Let's give him a pony. Also, kind of interesting that they had, like, the matching moles and shit. I know. Like, I'm, yeah, a, little, I'm really... a little intrigued by that. And they look similar enough to the point where, like... Maybe it's one of those things, you know how they say, like, out there in the world somewhere, there's, like, somebody that looks... There's somebody that looks just like you. I wonder if this is a weird situation where, like, their lives happen to overlap to a point where, like, it caused, like, an issue. That'd be so crazy. I feel like, like that's, a like, rift in the Matrix. You know, that's, dude, I was literally just gonna say that. Okay, that's Ooh. weird. Anyway... This was the mystifying disappearance and false return of Bobby Dunbar. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at tgic.podcast. Bye!